0: Then you got show... <laughs>
1: Welcome to a special Monday night mini episode of Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain here in Tennessee, and no Adele tonight. Odell couldn't make it on this... Oddly Monday night, so let me introduce our producer, a girl who is tin can ready and AGT bound, my lovely producer, best friend, life partner, and internally, the beans to my cornbread, the magnificent (laughs) D. Maven.
2: Da-da-da! Yes, that is me. Uh, Yes. So, everybody, uh, anybody who missed any previous episodes go to tincan.media that's not .com just type in tincan a dot and media and hit enter and you will be there and you will also soon very very soon see our new video series and we will be recording every bit of the AGT auditions that they allow us legally by law um i do know from talking to uh one of this year's contestants that there's a lot you're not allowed to tell, but oh yeah, there's also a lot of different blogs and sites of people who have done auditions who are like, "Yeah, it's like this, and you walk back and this happens and da 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 da. So I really think they're probably gonna let us videotape quite a bit um outside of the actual audition itself um and after the first round you know, assuming all good things, um, I will actually be putting up videos for everybody to help me choose the next songs that I perform. I've got a few that I really, really, really want to do. I'm going to perform the songs that I want to do for each round on video, and I'm going to have everybody vote on which one they think will push me the farthest in that particular round. So, like, there's one, there's two songs that are really... So can helpful. I make a suggestion? Maybe.
1: Right Said Fred, I'm no. Too Sexy well, uh, That would be perfect
2: No, but there are two songs um, That are really big That I want to save for the finals um, One's a Demi Lovato And one is a brand new Kesha song And I love them both But it's really hard to figure out which one So like, I'm not going to put those in Beforehand, Like, those aren't going to be like Oh, first round, everybody help me pick It's going to be like, okay guys, this is last round Which one of these do you think sounds best? Ah,
1: I think that is smart, yes. smart thinking. And it'll be
2: a lot of fun. So everybody's just going to kind of keep an eye on tincan.media. And then we're going to do our other, the rest of our web series. We're going to go hang out with Rachelle. We're going to go trick-or-treating. Actually, I don't think we're going to go trick-or-treating. I think we're just going to go to a nerd party.
1: And gonna well, we're going to awesome. go trick-or-treating with Mormo. And then we're going to yes. go, like, to a nerd party with Rachelle from King of the Nerds. Oh, so. And then we're going to go to the Alpist Reunion show up in Baltimore. Ooh.
2: And it's been, like, 500 so, years since they played together, so it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, and I missed them the first time around, so I'm super yes. excited. And finally, hopefully, Super Ugly from United School District will be doing the art for my children's book. Seriously? The network is is blowing up, and not like somebody threw a pipe bomb in our studio no, blowing up because they were angry. Oh, my gosh. But, like
2: I'm, – I'm excited about that. Like, like just the book because um, – let me tell you guys, I – I know this is going to sound silly, but you know, when you read a little kid's book or something that just, you get that warm fuzzy, every single time I read this book, I and everybody I read it to gets the warm fuzzy every time. It's perfect.
1: Yes. I have a drop of humanity in me. I wrote a touching (laughs) children's book among my like 2000 Facebook rants about Donald Trump and his supporters.
2: A lot of people have written really good books. Um, a couple of our upcoming guests have written really interesting books. Um, so, like this Sunday, Dylan Brody is coming back. He's written tons of stuff. Um, Carr Andrews, the author of Renato Jones and 1%, uh, has done not only that graphic novel, but also um, the newest incarnation of Iron Fist. Um, then we've got, of course, Alpist is coming on next Wednesday. Um, and then we're going to have Christine Madrano back. Super funny chick, that one. Um, Dylan Brody
1: and, talking politics again, too. Yes,
2: that's, well, that's this Sunday, right? Right. Um, so n- then next Sunday we have Christine Madrano and Colette Myers that are going to join us. Uh, and then we have John C. Hall of King Missile. And that was his book that came in today, was it not?
1: It was. Uh, and for any of you who don't remember <laughs> King Missile... I'm sure you remember the song, Detachable Penis, but he is a (laughs) madman poet and writer as well. Yes. So it's been a while since the King Missile. well, at least that album. So we're going to talk a lot about his writing poetry and all that jazz.
2: And let me tell you, I started reading his book this morning when I got to work and I read a few passages to the girls at work and then our oldest daughter was reading it in the car and everybody busted out laughing. It was just the funniest thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, everybody knows daily affirmations. We, we all have them. We all read them. We all try to focus on them. Well, if you ever wanted to have the opposite of that, then you should pick up daily negations because it's the exact opposite. Reminds you that you suck and everybody hates you and you should worry about everything every single day.
1: She- yeah, I know some people like that. <laughs> I don't want to live that way.
2: But no, I mean, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's hilarious. Right, right. I got it. I you. love it. I yes. love
1: it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Well, who do we have on tonight? Because I have been in a stellar mood lately. Lots of good things have been yes. happening for us. So let's um, keep up the good vibes.
2: So tonight we have somebody that I think, I think I've think i seen them perform every week for, what episode are we on? Like seven? Eight? Eight. Every week for eight weeks, we have seen this person perform on TV. I don't know anybody else outside of late night that you can say that about. Like, really? Uh, no, yeah. Today we have from Honey Honey and her solo stuff, we have Suzanne Santo. Hi! <laughs> Hi,
3: guys! Hey! I was
2: trying
3: to stick with you, but there's so many names,
1: so mm. many
3: things going on. It sounds very exciting. a lot
1: lot of activities? Yeah, I mean, for a long time we had kind of a bitter falling out with our ex-partner. He was very invested in Trump. Things got very toxic. The network started getting a lot of heat. Because of like 20% of what we do is we have a couple political shows and we started getting a lot of trolls and like it really created a dark cloud around our network to the point where a couple months maybe three months ago I thought we were going to have to shut down and then I don't know, the sun came oh out God. and Kermit the Frog picked up a banjo and <laughs> we started getting a thousand percent wow. downloads over last week every week oh, and
3: oh, thanks,
1: just so rebound. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was awesome. It's, but let's talk it's
3: about it's amazing how far people will take it. It's yeah. really crazy. But yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you guys bounced back. Good for you.
1: Oh yes. yeah, things yeah. got Crazy, And I'm not going to, like, you know, sink your ship and go into all that bullshit here on the air tonight. But, yeah, things got pretty crazy, (laughs) especially around the election. Mm. But we are finally, I feel like, Mm. and then we had problems with our ex-co-host. Her mom got cancer, and she had to leave for a while. She came back, and then Odell, who does this show with me, his dad got sick, and he had to leave. And we are finally back on track, got our footing. Whatever voodoo hex was on us has seemed to be dispelled. The
2: hurricanes have passed. Wow. We have come out the on sharknadoes. the sharknadoes. Yes, the sharknadoes. The Sharknados have passed, and oh we are my still God. here.
1: Yes. And to make things guys, even happier, it could
3: happen. You're Right.
1: We are on air with you, who always makes me happy. Every time I listen to Aww. your music, you guys just oh, that's came on. So sweet. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you just came on my radar. Full disclosure, didn't really know who you guys were until the guest book and i love that's
3: amazing yeah
1: yeah that's where i found out about you guys and i was watching you play at the end of every episode i love the whole kind of Uh playing the outro winding things up and then showing the next guest that's coming on next week to stay in froggy cottage and i was like oh man i oh my god (laughs) yeah check these guys out they're awesome and i reached out to you and here we are but I cannot imagine, and for the listeners out there, Greg Garcia also did My Name is Earl, Raising Hope. I love, love, love what, everything Greg Garcia does. Some of the best. How shows much ever. fun are you guys having on, oh, this,
3: man. on a
1: Greg Garcia project? I can't even imagine.
3: It was it was incredible. I've you know, we've um I've worked in TV quite a bit in the past and i would never seen anything like this in terms of uh having somebody like Greg that's at the helm of the ship, just being this like brilliant mastermind DIY he does everything. Ugh. And then also be such a benevolent, kind hearted soul who takes incredible care of his crew. The whole crew are just an entire family. And it's like yeah, something people. And um it was just so cool to be a part of it. You know, we, so Ben and I, Ben Jaffe, the other half of Honey Honey. Right. Uh, that's our. So I'm I'm in a, I'm in a band called Honey Honey, and then I have my solo stuff. Uh, Suzanne Santo. That's what that's called. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and my um, you know, we worked really hard on the music element, which was, you know, we wrote a bunch of songs for the show, and then we also recorded a bunch of covers that Greg wanted us to have. So he sort of basically for every episode, he had his pick. Of either an original song that we wrote or a cover that he had requested, ah. um, and it was really fun to do to do both. He ended up using four of our originals and, and as well as the theme song that we wrote, which was pretty cool and, and an achievement that we were really proud to have. Because when you start kind of getting in that arena of writing for TV and you know movies and stuff, it's it's a whole other game, and it's also just a really great you know, I guess, uh, tool to have in your arsenal, weapon. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, let me step back back here real um, quick
1: and ask you before we go any further, how did it come about? Was it a situation where you, because you are an actress, auditioned for a role and then you're like, hey, you know, I'm also in Honey, Honey, or did they specifically ask you to come in to play the parts that you're playing at the end of the show? Was this music-based or actress-based at first?
3: It was music based, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, Honey Honey's been around for like 11, 12 years now. And we, the music supervisor on the show, it had, it was actually, I don't know whose idea it was to have live music at the end of every episode. I think that's But uh, basically, this fella named Jonathan Leahy uh, pitched us to Greg. He gave Greg 10 different guy girl duos and we were his choice which was very cool and what was funny is we went <laughs> we went to Greg's office at the um uh the studios here in in LA and his office is specifically looks like like my name is Earl trailer like he had he put up oh wood panels God. on the walls so it looks like a double wide
2: <laughs> I love that so much
3: and like i think the the couch or the coffee table are like original oh, set that's amazing for my name is earl And there's, like, taxidermy, and it's just, like, his vibe. That's what he wants. Um, And I'm like, who the hell is this guy, you know? And he's just so, so wonderful. He's a really, really fucking cool dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. And the thing I really like about it, the thing that caught my eye at first, is when we're watching Honey Honey at the end of every episode, you are in a post-carrier, a post-woman, male woman, however you say it, (laughs) outfit, ben Mm. is in i think it's an exterminator outfit and you guys look like you just got off work and ran down i assume you guys are playing at chubbies is that where this is taking place at yeah yeah you guys run down to chubbies like driving down to chubbies after work to play and your personality and your vibe just seems like a perfect fit for that greg garcia universe i really dig it
3: (laughs) thank you so much thank you yeah it was a hooch we uh It was fun to dust off my SAG card. I hadn't used it in a while. And, um, you know, the whole thing is great. And, you know, it just got picked up for a second season. I don't know what Greg's plans are. I don't know if he's going to, like, keep it as Froggy Cottage or if he'll have us back. We don't really know what he's going to do. But uh, either way, we're just so excited for him. And, you know, hope the show keeps keeps taking off into the sunset.
2: That is awesome. And really going by every other greg garcia thing that i've seen i would say yeah it's gonna i think it'll stay froggy cottage i think that and you guys will still play at the end of the episodes because those things are really i mean it's part of the show like you could have told me that they wrote that you guys wrote the song and then the story was written and i would totally believe it because it just fits so (laughs) perfectly and every time it comes on i just kind of i'm like jamming along i'm like singing along just a little bit I'm, it just it feels like it was all written at the same time for the same feeling
1: well he's a master of continuity because oh, yeah. he's always interwoven like he'll take chubbies and put it in this show and raising and hope will have elements of my name is earl and by the way my name is earl is loosely based off my hometown waldorf maryland and I read in some oh, article no with him. Yeah, because he's from Brian's Road. And I read in some article right. there was no palm trees. And we, I based it off that. But the show actually takes place in Florida. So I actually have a special connection. I feel like I have a special connection to his work because he's from the area that I grew up in.
3: Yeah, it's
1: oh, that's awesome. great. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah, and I just love, love, love. Go ahead.
3: Wait, so, and you guys are in Tennessee now yeah i got a little
1: confused for a minute there yeah we're not i'm originally from waldorf maryland and um pittsburgh area back and forth but right now yeah we are out here on top of the mountain here in tennessee
2: yeah but it's it's nice to be able to get away for like an hour a week and be like oh it's froggy cottage i would totally go stay at froggy cottage
1: like, I think we have stayed at places that were like Froggy Cottage. <laughs> I was like,
2: of
3: no, course you have. You got to. No, you can oh, probably almost. head over to the Smoky Mountains and. Yeah, yeah, there the Froggy are cottage. definitely
2: a lot of places that are like that around here. So it's just kind of like, you know, that could be just about anywhere. And and you know, I've seen. Well, actually, just up the road, we have an interesting looking strip club. That could be named chubbies and it could be named you don't actually want to go to, you know, so it's, it's, it almost seems like that's one of those things that could happen just about anywhere. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's
1: it's very accessible. All right, let's switch gears here because I've got to give you a big compliment. I don't know if it's a compliment as much as an observation. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. But I am from the punk rock world. I grew up playing in punk bands. I listen mostly to punk. Um, Some hardcore, like, really underground rap stuff. And as a general rule, I don't like country music, anything in that sphere. Yet, I love your music. I feel drawn in. It really resonates with me. And I think I know why. Whether you know it or not, like, you have a real punk element about you. Not the music itself, of course, but, like, the strong, independent, like, brutally honest lyrics and performance of it all. I really think, and punk is more of an attitude than it is a music for anybody who's not familiar with the punk scene. There's a lot of punk in your music, at least how you present it. And I don't know if you come from the punk world at all, if you grew up listening to that, that DIY kind of punk independent attitude, but you definitely have it.
3: Thank you so much. Well, I mean, I think some of our honey, honey records have some punk elements. My new record uh, that came out, oh my gosh, a month ago. Um, I I don't know. I might have some punk in there. Ruby Red. Do you think there's some punk elements to Ruby Red? I mean, I think when you more
1: rock. Yeah, but when (laughs) you take a song like Ghost in My Bed, especially when I'm watching the video, which Mm. is a powerful video, and it's showing the gasoline on the bed, like (laughs) this all just smacks of, yeah, you know, I'm standing up for myself. I'm not taking it anymore. Like it really Oh, it's more punk
3: attitude. Right. Yeah.
1: Because punk is an attitude, to me at least, more than it is an element. Because, I mean, there's there's rap bands on punk labels, like the Coop and stuff like that. Right, right, right and you just resonate I
3: wrote that this punk song attitude. a while back called oh man thank you so much that's a really i I take that as a compliment and uh real quick i wrote this song called punk kid a while back and i feel like you would like it oh, um nice. and our our friend uh, joe rogan did a comedy central special he did a comedy special and he used punk kid as his um intro song and we were really stoked about it but we never actually released it so i'll have to get a version of it and send it to you
1: <laughs> yeah awesome. please do and it's funny you bring up joe rogan um usually i plan these shows like three weeks ahead so i can do my due diligence and all the research and just read i would read like a thousand honey honey articles but we you know we kind of sprung this last minute we booked it last night so i didn't have a whole lot of time oh, to get she com- from the hip yeah right. <laughs> that, that is what we're doing but um I didn't notice you guys are on like a billion Joe Rogan podcasts that Joe Rogan must really love you guys.
3: Oh, we really love him. And he, he's a very special, special person. I, I, Ben and I have talked about it a lot. I think at some point he will become an iconic figure in our history because he, uh, and like, you know, the hashtag is Joe Rogan, hashtag powerful. And he really truly is. And I don't know. We just got lucky, I guess, like. Uh, I don't know. It's probably six years ago now. We um, someone had posted one of our live videos on his message board, and he started talking about us on the podcast. And we didn't—I didn't really know much about him at the time. But our manager called us, and he was like, "He's like, have you noticed what's going on?" And we were like, "No." And he's like, "You got another thousand followers today because Joe Rogan is talking about you." Wow! And I was like, "What?" And and then the next thing we know, we're on the podcast and. At that time, our second record, Billy Jack, had been out, and you know, as these things go, like you have to hustle so hard uh, when you're releasing records, and like we're broke, and you know, we didn't have, um, you know, we were touring, just touring, 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 and then you're just like, you know, people don't buy records, and right. we went on the podcast, and then like uh, the the record company calls us, and they're like, uh, just letting you guys know that we sold a thousand records in a week which is like unheard wow. of these days and if you're at you know our level and the record company was like uh just so you guys know your your sales went up 752 percent this week and we're just wondering like what's going on you guys did you guys do something <laughs> wow, and uh, that it was is because incredible. we went on the, the rogan podcast
1: yeah but i mean i listened a to a man lot of joe rogan he is so fucking sharp i would love to get him on air and pick his brain for an hour my god he's so smart in so many avenues
3: he's brilliant and he you know he is a very multifarious multifaceted kind of person and has all walks of life on his podcast and you know he had alex jones on his podcast this year Uh. and that like Wow. broke records and so it, he got a lot of you know crazy followers and so when we went on you know you're talking about trolls earlier um and, you know the last time we went on was after he'd had Alex on and so you know the next thing I know like we're getting some hateful stuff towards us because we're not uh Alex Jones type folks or Trump people <laughs> we're, right you know we're uh the antithesis of those things. Um, that's
1: all it takes. So it
3: logical, just, normal,
2: rational. Like I got
3: gotcha. you. Wild. You just You have to just not pay attention to it. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, if you put a lot of energy into engaging with volatile people, like, you're just going to go down a rabbit hole that's so toxic. But there was a couple of times where, like, I, I engaged with people, and, and I was so, I just really regretted it. <laughs> Cause I would just get so mad when somebody would say something asinine and offensive and, you know, and, and I would just I would fight back, but that's not you know, really going to get you anywhere really, you <laughs> so, know well, I don't want to go um, too far anyway. into
1: politics I mean, but the problem is, Been and this there. is why I kind of walked away from doing it is they, they trap you in a situation where you're like, if you try to come with reason and logic and you're like, hey man um, why are you calling me libtard or like flipping out on me They're like, oh, what, we can't take free speech right. snowflake but then, if you come at him the same way, to yeah. come at you. <laughs> oh, I thought liberals were supposed to be uh, tolerant. So, yeah. like, for tolerant yeah, liberals, like you'll never win. Oh my
2: <laughs> gosh! Yes, <laughs> isn't it awful? It's like, oh, it's, really, really? You just, ugh, you just want to shake I love people. J- Jason Isbell.
3: J- Jason Isbell
2: was recently on the uh,
3: uh, Trevor Noah and wait mm. is it late? Not late night. It's a uh, the. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, Trevor. Um, Noah,
2: whatever that show's called.
3: And uh, you know, J Jason Isbell is like six four or whatever, he's a big dude and he was he was beautifully, eloquently talking about his take on politics and, and really mainly talking about his daughter and how he wants to raise her. And, you know, he said, you know, he goes, Yeah, of course, you know, I'll get like the mom's basement guys on online, you know, sending me shit. But like nobody's gonna say anything to my face. He's like, I'm six four and I'm like, look at me, like I'm you know, he's like a he's like a tornado. And I just loved it. I love that he called them mom's basement, guys, because that's exactly what people are. Well,
1: I hate to break it to you. That's that's so funny. They wouldn't say it to his face if he was 5'4". That's true. That's just how these guys are wired. They ain't talking shit in real life to nobody. And you're right. You have to stay away from those toxic people. I got sucked in because I was like, you know, can't we just kind of all sit at the table and talk? But I had to fucking learn the hard way. Right, right. You're never going to yeah. win against somebody who's just going to flip over a chessboard. Like you're never going to checkmate somebody if they're right. just going to flip over to chessboard as soon as they start losing. So it, it's and, not and a and winning you, know what? When you
3: And when you have the energy for those very productive conversations, they will present themselves and they are life-changing when they happen. When you can have those incredible open-hearted conversations with people that have very different views. It's like when real growth is happening and you're not just reacting, but you're listening and learning and understanding why other people think differently from you. And then maybe they get to understand why you think differently from them. And those things are happening. And when they do, it's magical.
1: But you know, you bring up a good point too with all that stuff in our face. Like if you're on the computer, it's in your face 24 seven screaming at you. How do you keep that out of your music? Because your music is so upbeat. And to me, it's something that I put on. I still listen to Edie Brickell, and I love the stuff she does with Steve Martin.
3: Oh, great. You know, she's so, great,
1: she's wonderful. Yeah, and I'll well, still put my, Honey Honey on. The
3: music, it's usually pretty dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's not dark, it can be and, upbeat, but it's dark. <laughs> it, it has a dark tone, but it's not dark in like the political, like you said, Alex Jones way. And no. I, and it's really hard. I mean, I mean it's got to be hard to keep that universe out of your creative universe, right?
3: I think a lot of it's all relative because most of it is just feelings. You know, I think actually it's funny. I on my record on Ruby really Red, I wrote this song called Wrong Man. Right. And I it actually it has a lot of political undertone in a sense but uh, it's mainly from my POV but I think what happens so the song is I killed the wrong man. And I think that in political um you know, diatribes and people just being so emotional. I think they're really killing the wrong man. You know, a lot of times they'll attack each other, but really it's because they're hurting from something else or they're frustrated with something in themselves or, you know, and I, I think these misfires all the, like happen every day, all the time. And it's really interesting to me, just from like a psychological standpoint to pinpoint exactly where your pain and anger are coming from. And usually it has something to do with your fucking mom or dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, wow. And I, I think that I'm fascinated by that. And I have empathy for it too. I really do. Because I think like the more we can feel for people that are, are consumed by that vehemence, the more you're going to know that they're just like us. there's not much difference except there's just a different way that people are expressing their pain and they're choosing to throw themselves against a brick wall of politics, which will get you absolutely nowhere.
1: Well, I got to disagree with you a little bit. I think there's a little bit of a values difference between me and some of the people. For one thing, I would never even angrily talk to a person the way that I've had some people come at me just out of pure decency and values. Right?
3: I, I think I, and I, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, sorry, Dee. I, I, I totally agree with you on that front. There's definitely, like, um, varying degrees of darkness and violence and aggression. But I do think, like, at the core, it has so much to do, and, and it's, it's totally right by values, but, like, with the way, like, where people have come from in their environments. And, you know, if you get down to the rudimentary levels of, like what pain is and abandonment it's it's usually from other places and then people just identify with these things like white supremacy like they're just scared
1: yeah that i agree with you know Mm
3: -hmm. and like at and that like i don't have i don't have it's really it's so hard but like i i feel bad for the person that's so afraid that they feel like they have to have hateful rhetoric towards people that are different from them. Cause they're so fucking scared. I, I do think that like, there's gotta be a way in there to, to weigh into the heart. I really think that, and I don't know what it is, but I do know that like the more, and don't get me wrong. Like I have, I have no room for, for that kind of, you know, for, for the marching against Jews and, and black people. I think it's absolutely terrible
1: mm-hmm. and there's
3: no excuse for it, but at the core, there's, there's something there. There's this, there's a, There's a part of these people that I think if under the right circumstances, and maybe I'm crazy for saying this, but under the right circumstances, you could actually find a way to level with them. And maybe they would understand a little differently and maybe they feel differently or vice versa. You know, it's like.
1: I totally Is dig your right? idealism. I mean, I built a whole show called <laughs> the Ignorance Equation where I had a far right person <laughs> on as my co-host, and I tried to do just that, and it ended up, yeah, it ended up very nasty. And it, I don't feel. I mean, everybody I'm has so culpability, sorry. but the, I can tell you the majority of the culpability wasn't coming from me. So it just was from around the election, and things just got so terrible you couldn't right. talk to anybody anymore.
2: But you guys, and really I don't right. know how you penetrate well, so- that. Well, I was just going to say. I don't say... either, but I have to. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Go ahead. Well, No, no I, was... <laughs> I want to hear. Gee, I've been talking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, no, I was just going to say, you, you guys are really, you, you're very, very right. Um, and I do work in the nonprofit world. And I, I do work with, um, I work with kids that, you know, have dealt with abuse and neglect. And, you know, it's, it's a really sick cycle. Um, but a lot of that comes from they've been taught that. Or they don't know that there is another way, or you know, because they were raised Mm -hmm. in a home where they never were loved, they don't know how to love, and it it, it perpetuates itself. So I think a lot of this political, you know, vitriol and this hate really is just from a cycle that that nobody realizes has to be broken, you know, and nobody maybe knows how to break it.
1: But yeah, but that's what I say right now. When you go on comment threads right now over the last month. Trump supporters aren't saying anything because Donald Trump has totally pivoted to the left. He's working with Democrats, and he's gone back on every promise he made them. So now Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh and all these guys have turned against Trump. And I always tell people they're confused. They don't know where to direct their hate. Do they say Trump's an anti-Trump leftist like Ann Coulter's saying Mm -hmm. and follow Ann Coulter? Or do they go, you know, does their love of Trump trump their hatred of the other? Or does their fear and hatred of the other make them turn on this guy they've been so invested in for the last year and a half? And it's interesting dichotomy to kind of watch this break down.
3: Oh yeah. Well, as as terrified as I am of him being a loose cannon, I feel like I need to tip of the hat for watching Congress have to like change its routine in a way that like literally the Republicans are angry with their Republican president in a way that like Mm -hmm. it's making them have to work together. And I, I mean, not a fan, not a Trump fan. Um, but I, I think it's amazing to watch how much has changed since he got elected and how people have responded to like kind of becoming more proactive, just on a ground level. And then watching Congress, like watching, I was listening to, uh, uh, schumer chuck schumer was um he had just had a couple meetings with trump and and he was like yeah i was just as surprised as you are and then it was like holy shit are they working together that's crazy but i mean if that's the case and maybe there's progress being made i mean i won't condone the asinine shit the guy spews out on a daily basis but that's a plus you can put that in the plus column and i think i think that's sort of the thing right now it's like Everybody wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater and not really have like to to really look at the entire field of players or the entire story. You know, it's really easy to attach yourself to anger because it's a it's a cheap way to fill up your tank. It's it's so easy and then you just go.
1: You nailed but it. You Absolutely. Sit,
3: right. So <laughs> I mean, so when you can sit back and like weigh your options and and really Challenge your own brain to to decide what you think is productive and what is counterproductive and what is negative and what is positive. And rather than have someone tell you what to think, you know, you, you might have a different relationship to all this crap that's just thrown at us every day.
1: Well, and I made <laughs> it a that. lot like an apology on air and I was like, Hey, look, I know I was, when Trump got elected, I was like doom and gloom, but our institutions and our checks and balances, I should have had a little bit more faith in our checks and balances because it did kind of course correct all this between the judges and the Intel community and the protesters right. and the bloggers, mm-hmm. like America did kind of check whatever dark path Trump wanted to go down with his supporters. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So Man, that's, good that's that the good that you could
3: say that. I think that's a really cool thing, you know, is to. Yeah, I, I think that's that's sort of it. It's like being able to um, say, oh, I think I might have been wrong about this or, you know, that's huge.
1: Not a lot. Yeah, of You could have your at. own reality show of <laughs> just people saying they were wrong, and you'd probably get ten billion <laughs> viewers. It's such an oddity. It's like, damn, dude, I've seen people like eat bugs and stick swords in their head, but someone's saying they're wrong publicly—what is this show all about? Oh like, that yeah.
3: Well, that was show. something that was interesting. I had with a with a person that I had an argument with on Instagram, and this fella had made some comment. I, I posted. I posted a photo of a woman, this is during the Charlottesville uh, um, protests, and this, I posted a, a picture of a woman that said Virginia is for lovers, not for racists, and this man I said something shirt. to me about, like, he was, he was saying something along the lines of um, giving in to fake news or something, or, you know, overreacting like the rest of the leftists. I can't remember, but I was like, hey, man, people died today. And I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but, you know, that's absurd. You know, I'm paraphrasing what I said. And, and he had come back and apologized and said, wow. I'm sorry. I didn't realize the like, you know, the level of the situation. And I, you know, he didn't really say sorry, but he, he said it in a way that I really appreciated because I felt like we were actually communicating and we were not just like throwing crap at each other. And, um, what, whatever happened to him, I don't know, but I appreciated that he was like, I said, I spoke too soon. And that's what he said. I spoke too soon. And yeah, I'll take that. Cool. If that's what I can get, I'll take it. Right. And, all and day I, long. you know, I, I think in general, like people, like, I'm not trying to keep bringing it back to my record, but I wrote my record about this and it's really just, you know, it's all metaphors, but really being accountable is so, so important. And being able to apologize And truly mean it And truly be like Man I was wrong I I felt insecure or I felt scared Or I just was so angry And I'm sorry Like that is huge Yeah
1: no one's going to beat you up for it either I mean if anything people will be like Well damn okay Like they'd be so taken back I have a lot more respect for someone who can say they're wrong
0: Yeah, I say it all the time
1: I'm wrong a lot so thank god (laughs) if you you want a guy who's wrong and humiliated come knock on my door Uh, but let's bring it back to your album because i do want to talk about your album and one of the things you said about it being so personal and that was a take that i got that it was a really like an introspective type album when you're finished creating this is what's going through my head as i'm listening to it when you're through creating such a powerful piece of work Like, does this totally leave you, like, feeling drained emotionally? Or are you, like, incredibly rejuvenated by the process? Like, is it more of a catharsis, more of an atonement? Was it kind of like you were able to make this album because you had moved on? Or was making this album so you could move on? Like, which approach were you coming at it from?
3: Oh, man. Well, first of all, uh, tip of the hat for uh, such an elaborate and wonderful question. Love it. Thank you. Um,
1: No problem. That's what we do here.
3: I would say um, it was very cathartic and rejuvenating because, you know, once, once you, it's always in there, you know, it's all in there and it's kind of, sometimes it's locked up and sometimes it's uh, in a labyrinth of other emotions. And then when you're able to get it out and draw it out and turn it into something that you're proud of, it is an incredible feeling. And, um, knowing that I did the work for it and I'm still doing so much work because I'm releasing it independently, um, which is something I've never done before
1: back to that punk attitude.
3: And yeah. And it's so crazy. It's first of all, like I've we've had Ben and I and honey, honey have had so many record deals and they're usually a lot of the same shit. And it's a, you know, ever ever changing business and changing very, very quickly. And so I hired a PR team, a distribution company and, you know, manufacturing and distribution. And I have never worked this hard in my entire life where I get up and I do all the emails and I make sure this person's over here and this person's over here. And we're all in communication. And, and then I was like, holy shit, like, what, is, what the hell does a record company do anymore? Because I'm just doing this, like, by myself. <laughs> and it's working, which is, like, one of the coolest parts. I mean, I have a lot to learn. And every day I'm learning something new about how this, this works. Um, but you know, from the creative process to the, the business side, which I'm, I'm currently engulfed in, it's the whole thing is rejuvenating because I'm really proud of this record. It's beautiful and it means a lot to me. And, and I'm so excited to keep hearing about how it means, what it means to other people. And, you know, with that said, I think, um, I guess if I'm going a little off book here, but to fully answer your question, I, I just feels like um, like this chapter is just getting started. And if I didn't get it, all the material out, it wouldn't have ever happened. So like rejuvenating is maybe an understatement. I've, I've never really felt the way that I do now. And it's a really wonderful feeling.
1: Wow, that's (laughs) amazing, and that's what we need to fill, and every time I see, and I was just talking about this yesterday on the show with Bonnie Morgan, I was like, look, art, and I mean this too, art has never been more, and when I say art, the whole spectrum, entertainment, music, the whole nine, art has never been more important than it is today, at least in my lifetime. Oh, agreed. Yeah, Yeah. because people need somewhere to go to kind of escape social media and the toxicity and all that. And that's why I do always try to give to a GoFundMe when I see an artist on my feed that I like and do that stuff. Oh,
3: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, because art is important now. And I always said, too, during this whole thing, especially when things were heated, the best way you can rebel against all this hate is to live well and be happy. Like they fucking hate that when you're like, oh, oh my today God. kicked ass. Oh, how dare you say today kicked ass, right. my life sucks. But you live in Trump's America. You won the political jackpot. How's your how are you still oppressed? I feel better than you do right. and you got everything you wanted. Oh so live well and listen to art, right Dee? I've been preaching that yeah. for a long time.
2: Oh yeah. And it's it's kind yeah,
1: of beautiful. or should I say support art.
2: Right. And it's it's kind of you reminded me of something when you said that. Um you know, and not just being a catharsis for you to do it um, and feeling really good about putting it out there, but like especially—I I don't know if you know the story behind Kesha's newest album. Um, she went through a lot of shit, like a lot of really, really bad shit, mm-hmm. and it was a few years right. before she came out with this album. And now that she has, you can tell that's like it's everything that she went through, all in music. So. While I'm sure it's a catharsis for her, like your new album is for you, for somebody like me, like I was able to find something on there that I was like, oh my God, that's, that's what I needed. You know what I mean? It's like, you never know until, I mean, unless somebody actually comes and tells you, but something on that album is going to help them get through something that you had no idea you know, I mean, because it, I'm one of those mm. people that music is—it's life. It just is. You know, I can't imagine right. life without music, life without song. It, it just like if I ever you'd be
1: living in equilibrium, like this dystopian, dark gray future.
2: <laughs> I know. If if I ever went deaf or mute, I would I would wither and die. I just would. Yeah, um, you would. But uh, it, it's oh god. Well, I hope that never happens. I know, right? Well, I mean, and it's just one of those things. It's like you just never know. But because you know how you felt when you made that song and when you put it out there for people to see. And, you know, and it's scary to put something out that you created because it's like, well, what if they don't like it? You know what I mean? But, but you
1: gotta make yourself vulnerable though that's the but, whole <laughs> shtick you're not gonna make yeah, connections if terrifying. you're not being honest and that's why I love <laughs> your music Suzanne because I felt that honest punk vibe yeah. that I was referring to earlier All right, I want to use the last couple minutes of this to kind of talk about the new albums and I'm gonna ask like the sure. most obvious dumb question here why the solo album why not do these songs with Honey Honey why did you branch out into a solo album for this
3: to be totally honest, we were so burnt out. Um, we were tired. We, we spent a lot of time together. You know, our last record didn't quite do what we wanted it to. And we did the whole record label dance and we lived in the car and the van for like two years. And, you know, we just needed to do something differently and we needed a break from each other. And it's been one of the most amazing things because, you know, I meant what I said before. Like I, one, I got to make something in a way that I never thought I was capable of. I never thought that I would be, you know, in the studio making string arrangements and vocal arrangements and things that I've never really done before. Right. Uh, because there are usually um, a bunch of people in front of me, uh, none of which would ev- was ever a woman. <laughs> it's always uh, surrounded by men. And I worked with a producer named Butch Walker who treated me in a way that no one has, which was, you can do whatever you want, Suzanne. What do you want to do?
1: Oh, man, <laughs> that must have been liberating.
3: Well, it was and still is. And it also, and Ben had a similar experience in his production of his record, which is phenomenal, and it's coming out this winter. And nice. um, you should have him on at some point because he's just incredible. Oh, yeah. But it gave us this opportunity to... To see ourselves without the other because we've definitely had a very codependent relationship and um you know we were together and we broke up but you know who knows what the future holds <laughs> well but was it we, codependent in a uh, way you
1: felt like you were stifling each other or just codependent where you felt yes, like you were in a yes, rut de- definitely wow well
3: not so much that we were stifling each other but it was very it was a very polarized spectrum of like Either just being like this incredible dynamic team and then just being so miserable because there was just no room for ourselves individually. And so now we've given ourselves that room and, um, you know, our appreciation for one another is like we haven't felt in 10 years because we never stepped away. And it's so wonderful. Like we're, we're actually doing a honey, honey run in October in the Midwest, uh, starting in Chicago and ending in. Um, St. Louis, I believe. And, you know, every time we've had these like step away and then come play a honey, honey show, we're playing the best shows we've ever played. And it is so bananas because we aren't, it's not just like the same old shit every night. We're, we're approaching it differently. We're, we're playing together, like with, with a different level of listening. And it's, it's very, very cool. And I'm I'm sure there's another honey, honey record down the road. Um, and I, I I don't know when or how that's going to happen because we have our projects, our solo projects in front of us. But I think if we approached it like we're approaching um, this new change in our lives, I feel like it would be an incredible record.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, the next the Honey Easter. Honey album is going to be crazy. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. I don't know where it is, but, you know the aliens will come bring it to us or some shit. I don't
1: know. (laughs) Well, I want to play a track off your solo album, and then we'll come back and finish up. I want to play Handshake. I absolutely love the tone of this track. Um, I'm a person who's very visual when I hear music, and this track just kind of conjured, for me, images of, like, smoky bars and long-lost highways. And that's what it's about for me is just being able to connect. You can listen to music and you can connect with music. And I really felt like going down the road of listening to your solo stuff against Honey Honey, because I listened to a little bit of both, I really feel a connection there. And I'm hoping you're making those connections everywhere. It seems like you are. And it seems like you've got a really loyal fan base too.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good one. And I, I appreciate them a lot. Big, big fan of the fans. <laughs>
1: Right on. All right, well, let's play some handshake, and then we'll come back and wrap this up. D are you ready?
0: Yeah, I want to smoke, and I want to drink, and screw every time I think about you. Bitches all the time, and I'ma lose my mind. Sitting on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Oh, I ain't your friend, babe. I don't want a handshake. I need a piece, I need a tape. Said it. Yeah, I drink from-
1: Alrighty, guys. That was Handshake off your solo album, which is Suzanne Santo, Ruby Red, so much fucking soul. I love that track. Oh, <laughs> So thank soulful. You so much. Thank you. Yeah, it just harkens <sighs> back you. to like well, ragtime, I... almost. Like the old I... jazz singers.
2: Good I'll... shit. Okay, I'll take it. Right? Yeah, I don't oh, see that I'll in the country you, vein. So I
1: see it more in the um, kind of soulful... Oh god, I can't think of any ragtime people, but just that soulful like 1920s swing ragtime. You know what? That's what I, I feel. I, I think when I, I hear know it.
2: what you're, you're thinking here. The the first thing that springs to mind when you say that is some Nina Simone. It's yeah,
1: that, that, I don't know who that, that is. I was thinking of Oh my some, I, god,
2: she's like one of the epic soul. Just, I mean, you can practically feel the music with your hands. It's it's good shit. Good shit.
1: that's a good analogy all right let me finish up with this i want to talk about the creative process with you because you are so multi-talented you play a variety of instruments from guitar to violin to banjo honey honeys ranging as we talked about from country to folk to rockish when when you're going into a new project are you kind of coming at it with an idea of, okay, we did this last time. Let me pivot away from that and consciously saying, I want to do something different or is everything totally organic and it just goes where it goes, even if it sounds similar to the last thing you did. Is there zero expectations walking in or do you do kind of set a little bit of rules and structure?
3: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, there was a couple songs where I had ideas and examples of, uh, you know, a blueprint of how I saw them. And there was a couple in the studio that literally just showed us what they wanted to sound like, you know, and kind of took on a, a life of their own. And that's just the most fun way to do it. I think, I think if you lead with a negative of like, I don't want to sound like this or that, you're sort of restricting yourself, you know? And, you know, like there's, like, I think there's a couple of White Stripes records that I love that like, I was like, oh, this sounds a lot like this song on their last record, but they, it was just good. You know, I think um, I, it's a pretty open-minded approach, at least that, that I take when I'm making records.
1: How different did it feel doing your solo stuff then? Did you purposely try to pivot away with that, or was it the same kind of attitude going in?
3: Same attitude, and the, I had somebody like Butch Walker, you know, uh, as captain who you trust with your life because he's just an all-star producer, and he, um, you know, I was confident. I wasn't like, oh, God, is this guy going to fuck it up? Because some of them do. Right. <laughs> and yeah, he's that. just brilliant. brilliant. So I, I had this confidence from him that, uh, you know, it was invaluable. It was just amazing. So, you know, I think a lot of times, depending on who you're working with, there's usually a lot of tension in the studio and, you know, a lot of egos and Uh, it, It can be difficult. It can be difficult to feel good and have fun and, and express yourself in your fullest capacity. And this was one of those times where none of those things were a factor. And it was like, I, if I never get to do it again, I know what it felt like to make a record in that way. And it was just wonderful.
1: That is a powerful statement. All right, we've got to go. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We've got to end the show. We are going to end the show with Ghost in My Bed. I did want to make a quick point about the video, though, because the video itself is intense and powerful. And as I was watching, I was like, oh, (laughs) man, this must really be, like, where your acting chops come in, right? You kind of get to shine making the video.
3: Oh, thank you. Well, it was was really fun. And I got to work with this actor, uh, Nick Wexler, and he – is very talented and i met him i met him day of so it was just really you know i had to show up to we had some intense scenes together and you know you don't hear the dialogue but you just kind of improv it and uh it was it was fun it was fun to act that day i had a great time
1: nice right on all right, we are going to um, end there. Before you leave, please tell everybody what you're working on. You um, did touch a little bit where you guys are going to be touring. Are you touring solo? Where can everybody find you online? Give us all the good stuff.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh And I've got, you know, the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter and all that stuff. Um, you can just type in my name or you can do at Susanto S-O-O-Z-A-N-T-O. And I'm going to be in your neck of the woods actually next month, very soon. <laughs> I'm, uh, we're doing our Honey Honey Run in October, going through, let's see, I got my phone right in front of me, um, going through Chicago and Indianapolis, uh, a couple, Spring Lake, Michigan, uh, St. Louis, Valparaiso, Indiana. And then I'm opening up for Willie Watson uh, from Old Crow Medicine Show. In October and I'm going through just doing a listening room tour. So it's just me and a guitar Um, and going through like Louisville and uh, Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, Ohio, DC, New York, Philadelphia. And so if you're in those areas and you want some uh, just sincere singing and guitar playing, you know, you you make your way on out there
1: some punk rock <laughs> but in folksy form
3: some punk rock in, in folksy, folksy form. form yeah
1: yes uh will you yes. be doing any of your solo stuff with honey honey or shall those universes never cross
3: um we might sing a song or two from our solo records but you know you just get the appetizer you don't get the full main course
1: right Ooh, well let's end there that's a great statement all righty <laughs> we will be back and actually i think it's is it two weeks d when are we coming back it's two um, weeks.
2: Yes. 27th. We'll, we'll be
1: back with Al Piss. Piss talking about the Al Piss tour. Yep. Um, Suzanne, I want to thank you so much for calling in today. This was a complete delight. We've turned our mini episode into a complete one-hour musical osmosis. Oh. <laughs> See how easy that Likewise. was?
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, Alrighty. great.
1: <laughs> we'll be in thank touch. Thank
3: you guys so much. Thank you. All right, take care.
1: Alrighty. Bye-bye. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. And here is off the new album, Ruby Red Some Ghost in My Bed. Hey, that rhymed, D.